Let's turn to Psalm 67. I hope you've availed yourself of the opportunities this week uh, to meet Mike and Heather. They're worshiping with us today. Uh, we gathered together Wednesday for prayer. Uh, it was an opportunity both through prayer to raise our awareness of not only uh, the great need and lostness in this world, uh, but that we had a great need and lostness and God met us through Christ. It was an opportunity for us to build relationships that that oftentimes last a, uh, last a lifetime and, and uh, invite us to be part of the global work that exists all over the world. Uh, so if you didn't avail yourself of that, or a little time in the lobby after a table out there and uh, meet Mike and Heather. Uh, they love to talk about what the Lord's doing uh, in the country that God has planted them in that they love and, and the people that they love and as we love to talk about it. And so let us, with this in mind, Stand to our feet with Psalm 67. We have been singing. For Scripture tells us to worship Him in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so in Psalm 67 we read, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face to shine upon us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. And so, Lord, we bow and worship because there is no other God that saves. No other way given among men by which we may be right and have peace and be blessed and have joy. So, God, I pray that You will build a holy pressure among your people today, where we would say we must go. We must. Lord, speak to us and comfort your people. Through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. You could be seated. Matthew 28, last week. As we opened up Mission Impact Celebration, we looked at God's commission to us. And remember we said a couple of things, and let's just remember ourselves. We said that if everything is a mission, nothing is mission. And so God was a very clear. He said, I am the king. I have a kingdom. My kingdom children are given a mission. And that mission is distinct. It is clear, and it is called making disciples. We make Christ followers. That's what He did. And that's who He commissioned. So remember we said, the context for mission, those He gave that mission to, was the community of faith. We call it the church. Remember we reminded ourselves that there is a great enemy amongst us. 
And he is an enemy of community. Remember the enemy of community? It is the God of individualism. It is alive and well in the American church today. I can do my own thing with God by myself. No, you can't. Because the mission was given in a context. And the context is the church. The local gathering of the redeemed. But is mission an end in itself? Is mission really the purpose of my life? And so let's be clear today. God has told us that the purpose of our life is to glorify Him. That's why we exist. But listen to me. Here's what individualism will sell you today. I get to decide what that looks like in my life. No, you don't. God has decided, and He decided when He gave you a mission. The mission is how we bring glory and honor to our God. And so as we come today, just got through singing, where does worship come from anyway? I mean, is it really, does the men... Micah sit there and I'm like, hey, brother, you got like 15 minutes to create worship. It's all on you. So is it gathering the right group of hymns or not gathering the right group of hymns and gathering something else? Is, is that worship? Is that what creates it? Or, as Micah mentioned, is it more like a pressure cooker? Anybody remember pressure cookers? Anybody have a garden? May still do it? Anybody can? Yeah? Mama always canned green beans. I hated green beans. I especially hated them when she was canning them. You could smell them, got in everything. Oh, I was allergic to green things when I was young anyway. Got over some of that. But how does that pressure cooker work? You sterilize your, your jars and you put the green beans in it and there's probably a lot of other stuff that I didn't know about. and I always made sure I was somewhere else when it was happening. And here's what I know happened. She put the top on that thing and pressure begins to build. As Micah mentioned, this is what we're saying today. What builds the pressure? It's not something that I as the pastor or anybody else or a missionary who flies in is supposed to create. You create it. When all of life is worship, it builds pressure and it must vent. Here's what he's saying. Disciple making brings worship and worship fuels mission. And if you're not making disciples, the pressure will not be there. And here's what happens all over this land. We are not making disciples. And so we have to come to worship and offer false fire to create an experience because God's people have rejected the mission. Mission is what creates worship. And mission creates worshipers because that's how God designed it to work. It's impossible to have worship in the absence of making disciples. And listen, it is impossible to stop a disciple sniper maker from worship. You can't stop him. It makes no difference. And we praise the Lord. Mike mentioned this. His country's open. They can worship the Lord. We're going to go there in June. And we're going to walk around and we're going to evangelize. We praise the Lord for that. But we also ate lunch and had, had relationships this week with people that are in closed countries. And they'll be arrested if, if they do it. And here what doesn't make any difference. Disciple makers in closed countries where it's illegal to be a Christ follower. They must worship. 
It makes no difference. Christ followers will worship. And so, this is the context. And I'm going to start a little different today. Much like Micah did last week when he introduced a new song. I just want us to look at the chorus to start with of this song. Spurgeon said a lot. He really impacted me this week, so I'm going to quote him. When you read someone like Spurgeon, just a little hint, if you read him, don't change what he says, just read him. <laughs> the guy can say it so well. And here's what he said. This psalm is a missionary song. It's a song of missions. So, here's where we begin with the chorus. Verse 3 to 5, look at it. The Lord deserves the worship of all peoples. It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. Verse 5, let the peoples praise you. So what is worship? Aren't you glad that you don't have to trust my opinion on what worship is this morning? You don't. I don't have an opinion. I have the Word. And so let's look. Psalms 22. God not only ordained the Bible, He ordained the language that was given in. It's good. Psalms 22, verse 27. What is worship? All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. What does that word worship mean? It simply means to bow down. You see what it's saying? All the nations will bow down. They will submit themselves before God. That's what worship is. How about in the New Testament? Is it something different? Matthew 2. Worship can be used a couple different ways. Sometimes it's used to say serve. We worship through our serving. It's true. It's used more often in this context in Matthew 2 verse 11. Wise men coming to see Jesus. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. Listen to what it says. And they fell down and worshipped him. That captures it right there. That's redundant. It means to prostrate oneself before. Old Testament, New Testament, this is worship. Remember the problem with the Jewish people? It wasn't that they didn't come to church. They did. The problem is they, they did not prostrate themselves in their, in their heart towards God. With their idolatry through the week, then they just simply added coming, coming to the temple on to it. And he says, no, worship is something we do from, when, from the heart. It affects all of life. So we see worship is simply to elevate God above all things. This is what worship is. It's nothing else. This is why worship is ultimate, not missions. We evangelize to plant churches, to make disciples. Why? So that they may worship their God. That's why we do it. This is why we go. We go to evangelize. If what Mike and Heather's been talking about, what's their, what, they're, what are they trying to do? We go to evangelize. Why? So that when, when we leave, their team comes in and they make disciples. And through that, through God's work, He gathers people. They plant churches. And what's their goal? That they be made disciples so that they may go out and evangelize to plant more churches. This is the work. So what is worship? It's to prostrate yourself before God. What was Jesus' purpose when He came? Your salvation or His Father's glory? There's an ultimate here. John 17, do you remember the prayer, the high priestly prayer? John 17, verse 4, and that's not in your notes. 
says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Look into me, listen to me, this is important. Jesus is sent to earth, why? To glorify His Father. But His Father gave Him a specific work to do. So glorifying His Father meant doing that specific work. What has God given us to do? He's given us a great commission. And we glorify Him by doing the work He's given us to do. Amen? That's what it says. What Jesus did. And so listen, here's truth. This is worship. To prostrate ourselves. And you cannot stop God's people from worshiping. That's what Psalms is doing. Just simply one worship psalm after the next. God's people must worship. Turn back with me to one chapter. Psalm 66. Look at verse 1. Shout for the joy, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Do you see what he's doing in Psalm 66? He's doing the same thing in Psalm 67. Look at verse 4. Here's what he's saying to the nations. Come and see. Come and see what God has done. His deeds are awesome. That's what they're doing. You can't stop it. You can't put a lid on that. Just let the nations be glad. Why? For you judge the people with equity and God the nations. Look at what He's done. This is the point of the Psalms this morning. It's a simple point. Yes, God's people worship. But what comes out when we worship is this. God deserves the worship of all peoples. It just doesn't stop with me. Verse 3 and verse 5, Psalm 67, uses the word peoples. That's particular people groups, communities, ethnic groups. It's the same thing that Matthew 28, 19 says. Make disciples of all nations, all people groups. Mike and Heather was talking about that. They, they, they came to Abidjan and there's a lot of people there and Different cultures and different. They begin to work. But then they expanded. Now they go out into the villages. And what do they find? A community that speaks a distinct language. The culture. What has God told us to do? He tells us this. God deserves their worship. But we're going to labor to make sure that we know their language. So that we can bring the gospel to them. This is the work. God deserves all peoples. Every ethnic group. Every culture. Every community. Deserves the praise. Verse 3. Praise. What does praise involve? Praise involves both a confession and a profession. It involves something that is so true in your life that you must give it a voice. You must, you must tell it. This is what praise does. This is worship. This is why we pick songs, not based on how it makes us feel, but the gospel that it proclaims. God tells us to not only preach the word, He tells us to sing the word. That's what produces praise. We praise Him with both a confession and a profession. Why? Is this the only way the nations will be glad? Verse 4. It's the reason. How are they going to be glad? They don't know Him. God will be the cause of their praise. Spurgeon 
Nations will. Nations never will be glad till they follow the leadership of the great shepherd. They may shift their modes of government from monarchies to republics, from republics to communes, but they will retain their wretchedness till they bow before the Lord of all. We do not go because we believe that the Muslims are really worshiping Jesus in their hearts. No, they're not. They're not worshiping Him in our heart. They're worshiping a false god that's going to send them to an everlasting hell. So because we love them, we bring the gospel to them. Because we do not make Him Lord. He is Lord. And they must bow before His Lordship. This is why we go. And so the chorus of the song raises the question, how will the nations praise the Lord? He deserves it. Should be the pressure building in you. He deserves their praise. The peoples will be glad in the Lord. How, Lord? How will they be glad? Second, the Lord reveals His power and grace that all the peoples might worship Him. How? Look at verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make His face shine upon us. Us. How will the nations know He has revealed Himself to you? John Stott, rightly may we pray for ourselves that we may have God's blessing and mercy and the light of His countenance. Not that we may then monopolize His grace and bask in the sunshine of His favor, but that others may see in us His blessing and His beauty and be drawn to Him through us. This is why the psalmist is simply repeating the ironic blessing of number 624 where the priest spoke to God's people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Why? So that the nations may see His goodness and blessing and worship Him. That was always the point. I want you to see it. How does this happen? John 1.14 John 1.14 There's only one way that the nations may be blessed. And His name is Jesus. John 1.14 said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory. Glory of the only Son, full of grace from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, from His fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God has revealed His gracious blessing to us through revealing the person of Christ. And we do not take the gospel to anyone if we do not give them Jesus. He is the only name given among men by which we might be saved. He has revealed Himself to us. We are the means. We are the means. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Such a beautiful words as Paul would often just, pressure would just swell in him. You ever read Paul and you're sitting there going, he goes on this big old long, like whole chapter. What is he doing? His pressure cooker is just full and it's just got to go out. And he'd be preaching something and all of a sudden you have this comma and he'll just go whoop! You know, just a big old long diatribe of praise. He can't help it. 
That's just what Christians do sometimes. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What fuels this pressure that begins to vent in missions? There's an order to it, you see. First mercy, then knowledge, then praise. Spurgeon, we cannot see his countenance except he be merciful to us. We cannot praise him except his ways be known upon earth. His mercy breeds knowledge, his knowledge praise. Why has the Lord been gracious to you? The Bible has the right answer. Ephesians 1 says it's simply to the praise of his glorious grace. And I have seen many a person derail their spiritual life saying I'm mad at God because someone in my life died and God didn't save them. And I understand that. And we should weep. But brothers and sisters, if that turns to bitterness and anger in you, you have forgotten what you've been forgiven of. What we should wonder is why did God save me? Listen, He could have left you in your sin and still been glorious and holy, but He has revealed His power and His grace to you. And that brings His people to praise. Worship is glorifying, but it is glorifying us with our life, with our money, with our time, with our voices. Philippians 3.10 gives us the first reason so yes, there's a purpose to a praise, but I want you to see this. His, his praise looks like something. I mean, His glory, what does it look like? looks like two things. First, that we might worship Him. He has been gracious to us that we might worship Him. Philippians 3.10 says this, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His suffering, become like Him in His death, and by any means necessary obtain the resurrection of the dead. We might worship Him. Can I just speak to my church for just a second? If you're a church member, listen to me. We could worship in one room and have one service. We could. We could put more chairs in here. We could gather together. You know why we have two services? So that everyone who serves can worship. And everyone who worships can serve. We worship. We grow in our growth groups and we serve. Listen, do not rob yourself of the privilege of gathering together collectively in worshiping with the redeemed. It is what builds the pressure. Growing and being making a disciple builds holy pressure in us. Gathering together with the overflow of all of our lives and worshiping together builds this pressure. And what bleeds out in our life is an unquenchable desire to go with the gospel to the nations. Don't rob yourself of that. He saved you that we might worship Him. But also, the point of this psalm, verse 2, that they might know Him. That they might know Him and His power. That they might know Him. Look at verse 2. That your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. He saved you. So that you might display something to a watching world. Listen to this. 
Again, I know I'm quoting Spurgeon a lot, but he's so good. He just can't say it any better. Listen, this is beautiful. If you if you zoned out, hone in with me here to this. This is worth listening. As showers which first fall upon the hills afterwards run down into streams, into the valleys, so the blessing of the Most High comes upon the world through the church. We are blessed for the sake of others as well as ourselves. God deals in a way of mercy with His saints. And then they make that way known far and wide. And the Lord's name is made famous in the earth. Listen, this is why we go. There's no other picture. This should be the heartbeat of every believer. That the Lord's fame be made known on the earth. This is why we go. If you were here, you heard their story of God calling them to missions. He put everything they have in the front yard, put a four-cell sign on it and go. Why? You only do it for God's praise and His glory, yes. But it looks like that. We desire that the nations be glad. And how will they be glad if I do not go? Remember we said, prayers go or prayers send. But prayers don't do anything. Acts 1.8. Mike read us that Friday. Let's look at it again. Because this desire comes with promises. This desire that made Him known comes with promises from the Lord. Remember, Acts 1.8. It's given to the church. I want to emphasize the promises you just hear this this morning. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other part of the world. So yes, is evangelizing hard. Yes. Is reorienting your life around the mission of God going to take sacrifice? Of course it is. Here's what He gives us as a promise. You will not be alone. Matter of fact, do you remember the context? He told the disciples, don't you dare go without the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's where the power comes from. And he says, you will be my witnesses. I will produce in you something that says, I must go. I cannot stay. For me to stay would be sin. I must go. I must send. I must give. I must grow. And nothing must stand in my way. That the nation, this is what he does, his people. This is why the disciples did what they did. What else? If you got in Acts, go over to Acts 28, verse 28. Acts 28, I want you to see this promise. Because listen, if you engage in this, if you lock on to someone in disciple making, you need to hear this. <laughs> because listen, this is faith. This is the promises of God. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Me and my brother Tony were talking the other day. He was telling a story about a missionary. He spent their whole life laboring amongst the people. Ended up coming home feeling like a failure because no one ever professed faith in Christ. Later on, they learned that, it, that the translator was saved because of the work. We, we, this has happened in their ministry, hasn't it? The translator got saved, and he reached the village for Christ. They came back years later, and the, the village was saved. That's good news. Why? Because God's promises are true. 
is powerful. And listen, He does this. You may labor your whole life and not see that fruit. Someone comes after you and God saves them. You see, we receive the power, we bear the witness, but He gets the glory. Because it is God who saves. We are the means, brothers and sisters, to take this great commission so that donations might worship. Romans 10, 13. We looked at this last week. But you need to... This is just so clear. Remember what compels us to go. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news. The missionary's heart. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Who can be saved? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Here it is. How then will they call on Him who they have not believed? How will they believe in Him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are what? Sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet. Those who preach. Someone's got to preach. Someone's got to send them. This is how the nations will be glad. Verse 1. Back to Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us. So how is God's... How is the nation going to be glad? How is God going to graciously bless them? Is it magic? And listen to me. We laugh about it, but I'm telling you. And you want to speak of how damaging the heresies are, just talk to the missionary. These heretics that wave their hands and act like they can throw the Holy Spirit's power out on people are deceiving them. And it should make us angry. Because there is only one way that the nations be glad. It is the Word of God given in the power of God by the people of God. It is not magic. It's missions. This is how it happens. And this is how people are saved. It's when we go and when we send and we bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We do it to our neighbors and we must go to the nations. So what? Well, let's just review the simple psalms should teach us a simple truth. Why does God make His power and grace known to the nations? He does it for the sake of His own glory. You see, God creates us to, to, to be joyful, to be glad when we admire something that's glorious. Isn't it true? Isn't the joy you get from a sunrise or a sunset from the beach all these lesser things. Doesn't that bring you this joy? Brothers and sisters, God's created you for worship. And what is more admirable? What is more infinite? What is more glorious than our Lord Jesus Christ? This is, if it's true in you, you cannot contain it. If you haven't ever read John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. You, you owe yourself to read it. He says this, and all he did is got it from Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> men, men, somebody affects you, and you begin to affect someone else. That's just the way it works. He says this, missions exist because worship doesn't. Isn't this what verse 3 and 5 are saying in Psalm 67? They're not worshiping Him this morning. They're not. 
They're not. That's why we got to go. Right? We got to go. Why? Because they're not worshiping him. And he deserves their worship. Missions exist because of this. Quote, missions is not ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When the age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed to fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. And so whether we are here in King's Mountain, or whether we're in Abishan, or Central Asia, or wherever God calls us to go or to send people, this we know, worship fuels mission. If we can go over there, and we can evangelize, and we can get a cell group of people gathered together, worshiping God together, here's what we know is going to happen. God's ways will be proclaimed, and they will be on a mission. It's the way it works. Psalms 57, your growth group lesson this week. Verses 9 and 10. It says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Verse 10 is the fuel for how that happens. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. When you swell up because of the steadfast love and His faithfulness for what He's done in your life, it will bleed out in mission to the nations. Brothers and sisters, one day, as that quote said, worship will be eternal. Missions will be done. Those that live beside of you and those who do not know the Lord on the other side of the earth cannot worship Him in spirit and in truth in eternity unless we bring the gospel to Him now. Worship does not begin when we die. Just like eternal life does not begin when we die. Eternal life begins when God saves us. And we come to know Him. Revelation 7-9 gives us a glimpse into eternity. A day when there will be no more missions. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That, this means that God's promises are true when we grow into the people groups and proclaim the gospel. They will be clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So do you see God's, God's desire? It is that the nations worship Him. What is yours? What is your desire? So I'm not saying that, that we don't worship God. Here's my question for myself this week. When I'm reading Psalm, that's Psalm 67, that missionary song, I'm asking myself, when I worship Him, what comes out? What comes out? Is it just... Does it stop with what Jesus did for me? Because here's what he's saying. Press on to know the Lord and what will come out is, oh God, let the peoples know you. 
I do not want to waste my life playing around with the American dream when God has the mission of God He has set before us. And it is greater. And it is worth what it cost us. Oh, that our worship leads out in missions. And that our missions would cause worship. Turn with me to Romans 15 and we'll, we're done. Romans 15 verse 8. God's Word is meant to be read slowly. So never get in a habit, you know, that a chapter away keeps the boogeyman away kind of thing. No, God's Word is about God. <laughs> it's meant to just be savored like a love letter is from, your love, from the love of your life and you read every word. Just read it slow. Verse 8, For I tell you, that Christ became, became a servant to the circumcised to show, listen, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And look at verse 9. In order that the Gentiles may glorify God for His mercy. There may be a a Jewish person in here, but I guarantee you there's not many of them. We are a bunch of Gentiles in here. We are. Saying God became a servant to the circumcised. He chose the Jewish people to show God His own truthfulness, to confirm the promises. And why else that we might get the gospel and be saved? This is always the plan. So it continues as it is written. Therefore, because of this, because the Gentiles now have the gospel and now they glorify God. I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, that all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him with the Gentiles hope. Brothers and sisters, you are saved today because someone worshipped God and went on mission and made a Christ follower out of you through the gospel. Because of this, we must go among the unbelievers and praise His name among them. To live our life as a sacrifice among them. We gather with each other. And we equip each other for the work of ministry. And the work of ministry is done out there. It is not just done in here. It's not. We're equipping and we're supporting. Because the work of ministry is about going. So, I worship we do it. And we do it ultimately for one reason. Because God has given us the means by which we may bring glory and honor to His name. And we do it through the mission of God. So let's bow for prayer as we read verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.
So, Lord, your word is good, is living, and is active. It comforts us sometimes, and it makes us uncomfortable other times. It bandages our wounds, and sometimes it gives us a spanking. And Lord, we say, thank you that you have turned your eyes toward us because none of us deserve it. We don't deserve your grace and your mercy, but you, this morning, have lavished it on us because you have set the word of God in our laps and in our hearts. You've given us a clear mission. You've set the very spirit of God within us. Proof to you, proves and not proof to us, Lord, that you will never forget, never leave us, you'll never forsake us. So, Lord, we we just come in grateful hearts now to worship you. sung your word, we've heard your word, now we're going to sing your word, then we're going to give and we're going to go. McAfee's going to get on a plane and they're going to go. We're going to stay here and we're going to go. God, do your work in your people. That holy pressure build it among us that we may be too discontent to do nothing that we might go Lord I pray that we would be a church would share life together not just a Sunday for an hour or two but life Every day, you've given us a precious gift. It's called your church. Oh God, that we not forsake her, for she is beautiful. She's yours. So Lord, we pray that you would plant more churches that would proclaim this gospel. Lord, you have heard the need in the Ivory Coast. Lord, they have experienced great tragedy this Mission Impact Week. You've took some of your workers home with you. Lord, we pray. Send us. God, don't make us get... Don't let us get comfortable, Lord. Send us. Lord, we trust you. That you do your perfect work in our life. And so now, Lord, would you receive our worship? As we prostrate our hearts before you and say, you are the only God who saves Who do we worship but you? And so, Lord, now receive our worship for the praise of your glory. All God's people stand to our feet and worship you.
Through the doubt and the fear of this life, I believe.